Man in a Duck Entertainment presents Quantum Leap Recovery, the official podcast of Pikes Peak Recovery Coaching. Please welcome our host, Dr. Peter Gregg. Thank you, Donna. Hi, this is Peter, and welcome to our episode of Quantum Leap Recovery. We are going to talk about all things drug and alcohol addiction recovery. Tonight's episode, which is episode three, is called Four Dimensions and Ten Guiding Principles of Recovery. I am quoting a fair amount from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration and will be using uh, their materials and website. A bit about the format. We will have guests and I will read questions and comments expressed by you. No topic will be out of bounds and we will explore many views and approaches to recovery. No one way is king or queen around here. And every show, we will start with an inspirational quote and stop partway for a corny joke or two. Oh, and I must give a medical disclaimer. The Quantum Leap Recovery Podcast does not contain or give medical advice. The contents of this podcast are not intended to substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding a medical condition. Okay, that's out of the way. <clears throat> and as always, we at Quantum Leap Recovery Podcast are very grateful for our listeners who download these podcasts. Help us get to 100,000 downloads per episode. That's our goal, and we know we can reach it with your help. So, let's begin with an inspirational quote. They say a person needs just three things to be truly happy in this world. Someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. And that's from Tom Baudet, who I believe owns the Motel 6 line. I chose this quote because successful recovery requires hope. I'll mention it again. They say a person needs just three things to be truly happy in this world, someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. So let's review the definition of recovery from substance use disorders. It's a process of change through which individuals improve their health and wellness, live in a self-directed life, and strive to reach their full potential. Recovery doesn't occur in isolation from the rest of your life. So to sustain the hard-fought gains of recovery, you must make progress and achieve success in four key areas of life, health, home, purpose, and community. Let's talk about each. First, you must address health issues. Classically, this is thought of as overcoming or managing one's addiction, disease, or symptoms. For example, abstaining from the use of alcohol, illicit drugs, and non-prescribed medications. But also addressing other medical, dental, and mental health problems. And for everyone in recovery, making informed, healthy choices that support physical and emotional well-being. This makes a lot of sense. If you have severe pain, for example, from dental cavities, it's very difficult to stop an opioid addiction until that dental pain is addressed. Second, you must have an appropriate home. 
you must have a stable, sober, and safe place to live. It is very difficult to recover if you're on and off the street or, or, or in a situation where you're never knowing where or with whom you're going to live. Further, if your roommates are using big time, it becomes almost impossible to quit drugs. Lastly, an atmosphere of ongoing verbal, physical, or sexual abuse creates a horrible atmosphere for quitting the use of drugs and alcohol. Third, you must have a purpose for living. Meaningful daily activities such as a job, school, volunteerism, family caretaking, or creative endeavors, and the independence, income, and resources to participate in society. And fourth, you must have community. You must have relationships and social networks that provide support, friendship, love, and hope. More about this in a moment. What do you think about SAMHSA's four dimensions of recovery? Let us know at grigresearch at gmail.com. That's G-R-I-G-G-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H at gmail.com. According to the website, SAMHSA has several guiding principles of recovery, principles that are designed to make addiction recovery successful and long-lasting. Here are the 10 guiding principles of recovery. Number one, recovery emerges from hope. The belief that recovery is real provides the essential message of a better future, that people can and do overcome challenges, barriers, and obstacles that confront them. Unless you believe in the possibility of recovery and can generate hope for a better future, you'll have a difficult time overcoming the bumps in the recovery journey. It's worth mentioning again, recovery emerges from hope. Belief in the process and reality of recovery is vital for struggling individuals to face and cope with their disease or disorder. Number two, recovery is person-driven. Each person is in charge of their own recovery, setting their goals and creating a path to achieve them. Stated another way, you define your own goals and choose your own recovery process. Ideally, you decide for yourself where you want to be and how you'll get there. There are a lot of paths to success and many different ways to achieve recovery, but you'll never get there unless you're striving towards what you really want. It's worth a second mentioning. You define your own goals and choose your own recovery process. Number three. Recovery occurs via many pathways. People recovering from substance abuse, or for that matter, mental health disorders, have different backgrounds and face unique challenges. As a result, the paths that people take toward recovery will vary from person to person. You understand that there's no one right way. Just as no two people are alike, no two recovery journals will follow the same path. Your history, your culture, cultural background, your health, your motivation and desires, and a thousand other things influence your unique needs. What worked for someone else might not work for you. So follow your heart and find something that feels right. But remember, for people with substance use disorders, abstinence is usually the best course of action, no matter how you decide to get there. 
Again, this point is worth repeating. Treatment is not a single-minded process, and it can be achieved in multiple ways. For example, detox may not be necessary for in every case, and treatments for psychological problems can vary between group counseling, personal counseling, and even behavioral adjustment techniques. There are many ways. The point of this variety of of options is to ensure that you aren't stuck in a treatment style that doesn't work for you and your needs. Remember, treatment is centered on you and your needs, not that of the pet treatment technique of a a specific therapist. Number four, recovery is holistic. In order for long-term recovery to take root, a person must address every aspect of their life, from mental and physical health to income and housing to seeking support and maintaining medication if needed. You integrate your recovery into everything in your life. You integrate your recovery into the way you take care of your mind, body, and soul, and it factors into every important decision you make, from where you live to what you do for a living to who you spend your time with. Number five, recovery is supported by peers and allies. Having peers that have experienced similar challenges and come through them provides a model for those in recovery to lean on, refer to, and receive support from. So build your network. You make use of the strength, support, and expertise of others. Also in recovery, by involving yourself with support or self-help groups, with others also in recovery, you take advantage of shared knowledge and experience about what works and what doesn't from a group of people facing very similar trials and challenges. Another way of saying this, and it sounds a tad cornery, recovery takes a village. The old saying states that it takes a village to raise a child. Well, that idea is true in recovery as well. You can't do it alone or even just uh, with the help of a recovery center. So now, we briefly interrupt this podcast for a corny joke. Why do we do this? As Jill Connor Brown wrote in the Sweet Potato Queen's Big Ass Cookbook, I believe that the ability to laugh at oneself is fundamental to the resiliency of the human spirit. Yeah, so that's why we do it. So here's the joke. What do you call someone with no body and no nose? Nobody knows. (laughs) We better return to the sixth guiding principle of recovery as I hear your groans. Recovery is supported through relationships and social networks, an emotional bond with family members, friends, and peers that believe in a person's ability to recover can offer the strength and determination to get through these difficult times. This is similar to Principle 5. Only 5 speaks about help from people in recovery, and 6 speaks of help from people not necessarily in recovery. You must make an effort to surround yourself with people who support your recovery efforts. One of the toughest parts of many people's recovery journey is making sure to only surround yourself with people who believe in your recovery and act in ways that support it. 
These people will encourage your efforts and help you stay motivated when times get rough. People like this will try hard not to act in ways that jeopardize your recovery. Have you ever had, quote, friends who caused you to start using again? Some call these type of people enablers. Number seven, recovery is culturally based and influenced. Services for recovery must consider an individual's unique cultural beliefs, values, and traditions. Indeed, there are services that are culturally grounded, sensitive, and competent, as well as personalized to meet each individual's unique needs. You choose a recovery path that fits with your culture and values. Your actions need to make sense within your cultural environment, and nothing in your recovery journey should contradict your deeply held values or beliefs. A recovery path which is not culturally appropriate is unlikely to yield long-term success. So there are approaches uniquely designed for atheists, Christians, Buddhists, Native Americans, people in the LGBT community, etc. So look for them and demand them. Number eight, recovery is supported by addressing trauma. Sexual assault, domestic violence, emotional abuse, and other trauma has to be treated if recovery is to be long-lasting and successful. The experience of trauma, such as physical or sexual abuse, domestic violence, war, disaster, and others, is often a precursor to or associated with substance use, mental health challenges, and related issues. Services and support should be trauma-informed to foster safety and trust, as well as promote choice, empowerment, and collaboration. Yes, trauma must be treated. Terrible events happen to many, and when they do, we suffer from the emotional sensation of trauma. This can often drive people to addictive behaviors, such as a form of self-medication, and the emotional damage it causes must be addressed and treated. As part of your recovery, you must deal with past traumas. Leaving past emotional, sexual, and physical trauma unexamined endangers your long-term recovery. As a part of your recovery process, you need to make sure that you work at achieving some closure over past traumas so that you can shed the anchors of the past as you move forward to the future. Number nine. Recovery involves individual, family, and community strengths and responsibilities. Each person in recovery is responsible for their own care, though families and significant others also bear a responsibility, especially with recovering teens or young people, to support their loved ones. Communities also have responsibility to make sure that those in recovery can live free of discrimination and have opportunities to have housing, employment, and education. You must make full use of resources within yourself, your family, and your community. To sustain recovery, you need to make full use of all the resources and support, be they at the individual, family, or community level. Examples could include taking a sabbatical at work to focus on recovery, making use of child care assistance offered by a sibling, or enrolling in low-cost community skills or interest courses arranged by your municipal government. What you have and what you need will vary greatly, 
But what's important is that you put your recovery first and do everything you can to get all the support you can. Finally, number 10, recovery is based on respect. Recovering from addiction and psychiatric illnesses require bravery on the part of the individual. Communities and social systems that acknowledge this lessen the stigma attached with those disorders and offer people a healthier atmosphere in which they can get better and give back. You find the respect you deserve. A lack of respect imperils the recovery process. You deserve respect, so make sure you surround yourself with treatment professionals, friends, and family that grant you what you deserve. Though you have a disease, you do not deserve discrimination or stigma. Strive to protect your equal rights to respect and, and to fairness. And if you cannot prevail against those that discriminate, extract yourself from these unhealthy environments. Thanks for listening, and I truly hope some of the material was interesting, inspirational, and entertaining. Please download our podcast and support us via donations. We are the Quantum Leap Recovery Podcast on Red Circle. Next time on Episode 4, we will talk about, quote, recovery capital, unquote, and its value in maintaining long-term recovery. Let's end this with that quote of the day. They say a person needs just three things to be truly happy in this world, someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for, by Tom Baudet. For those of us at Quantum Leap Recovery and Two Men and a Duck Entertainment, we will see you in a week. Good night. This has been Quantum Leap Recovery. 